Hello everyone, Alexis Brooks here from Higher Journeys, back with another episode of Conscious Commentary. Happy spring, happy spring, as I'm shivering here still in in these parts in New England, it's still a bit chilly outside, but alas, spring is here and I'm sure warm weather or warmer weather is around the corner for, for some of us. So I love springtime because it is a time of renewal and resurgence and reflection, rebirth, all those re's. (laughs) It's a time, I I say for reflection because um, I'm reflecting on the fact that, hard to believe, four years ago, right about now, I believe it was March 20th of 2014, I uh, published my very first book called Conscious Musings, Contemplations to Transform Life and Realize Potential. And I got to tell you, um, I'm still contemplating, still thinking about how do we transform our lives? (laughs) I don't know that there's any pat answer for that. And so that was a part of the journey in my writing this book to explore all of the different uh, variety of areas that we can look at uh, to be able to take the step toward evolution for ourselves as individuals and uh, collectively, I suppose. So I thought I would take this opportunity, this particular conscious commentary, to read a chapter from my book. It's a short one. It's called The True Nature of Reality. Do we know the whole story? Uh, I want to preface it by saying that this, this chapter comes from a section in the book uh, called The Magic, Mystery, and metaphysics of potentiality, in which I broach the idea of taking a closer look at what we call the anomalies of life, things that happen to us that that fall squarely outside of the the norms that we're used to um, seeing play out every day, the reality that we're used to seeing play out every day. So I'm not I'm not going to get into it. I'm not going to preface it too much. But I want to say what what uh, I think prompted me to want to read this to you is an experience, uh, actually a, a, a lunch meeting that I had had with a, a former colleague when my husband and I were in business. Uh, we decided to meet up with this this person and had lunch with her, and it was quite nice. And uh, she hadn't seen me since uh, we had our business quite quite a few years ago at this point. And she was so surprised to hear that I was working, uh, not so much as a journalist, because I think she knew I had a background in, in journalism and broadcasting, but in the genre that I had chosen, which we all know uh, is in the, uh, some would call it the fringe areas of research, including the paranormal. Anyway, to make a very long story short, I was a little taken aback and yet not surprised by the fact that she just so wanted to brush off any discussion about paranormal anything or anything beyond uh, what she's used to talking about. And it just reminded me of this chapter that I wrote and how so many people, despite uh, how ubiquitous strange phenomena is in many of our lives, just refuse to look at it. So I thought I would share this little chapter with you and hopefully leave you with um, a couple of thoughts about experiences in your own life and how you may be able to, even upon 
reflecting on those experiences, how that might help you to transform your life in, in one way or another. So without further ado, I am going to read this chapter for you, The True Nature of Reality. Do we know the whole story? True Account Lisa was grief-stricken over the recent loss of her father. She had been talking to her sister on the phone about their dad when all of a sudden the phone went dead. After a second or two of silence, a faint static sound emerged and then a male voice, one that sounded eerily like Lisa's dad said, Lisa, is that you? Lisa, I'm here, I'm here. The voice then quickly faded away and the conversation with Lisa's sister resumed. Shocked and utterly confused at what clearly appeared to be Lisa's father on the phone after he had died, mystified both sisters. Could it be that Lisa's dad was still alive, just not in physical form? Science continues to grapple with a plethora of unknown and inexplicable events, anomalies such as telepathy, remote viewing, psychokinesis or PK, intuition, and even the possibility of the survival of consciousness after physical death. Some scientists are now slowly relenting to the possibility that there may indeed be more to the sticks and stones rigidity of our physical universe than what has heretofore been described. From a more spiritually based perspective, a number of books which reflect the public's desire to validate unexplained personal experience have cropped up in record numbers within recent years. Titles such as The Celestine Prophecy, Conversations with God, The Seat of the Soul, and Talking to Heaven initiated a launch into the inquiry of the unknown, garnering prestigious best-selling status and setting the template for what would become a burgeoning new interest simply because people want answers. Mainstream television is now even attempting to satisfy the rising curiosity of the public's desire to know more about the unknown, with shows about psychic children, ghostly encounters with celebrities, and UFO abductions. But despite the increasing presence of these programs, the unanswered questions still persist, and unfortunately for many, the giggle factor of such topics does as well. Regardless of how it is presented, the very incidence of phenomena in our everyday world is more of a reflection of our true nature and process than the picture of reality that we've all been taught in our high school science class. No doubt, there is a growing curiosity about these phenomena. But still, many people are oblivious to the fact that for years, a scrupulous and scholarly pursuit has been underway in order to try and comprehend the dynamics of metaphysics, the paranormal, and the true nature of reality. Though some will at least utilize its mystical thought-provoking elements for periodic after-dinner discussion, Despite the empirical evidence of our historical record, the subject matter is considered nothing more than novelty at best, appropriate only for frivolous and social interest. This chapter is written as an attempt to veer us away from the novelty motivation of the subject matter and get us to take an important look at the potential life-changing implications of the subject matter. For if this is the stuff from and for which we are made, by paying closer attention and honing our innate faculties and embracing the mystery, 
we may change our life in profound and positive ways. In one of his last interviews, the late author Michael Talbot said, when being asked why he is interested in such weird things, he responded, it's not that I'm just interested in the weird. I am interested in what these things have to teach us and the practical applications. In the introduction to their book, Miracles of Mind, renowned physicist and ESP researcher Russell Targ and spiritual healer Dr. Jane Catra convey, our psychic and spiritual capacities enable us to explore an important part of our true nature. Accepting and learning to use our non-local minds is important because it gives us direct access to the wider world in which we reside. It shows us that our consciousness knows no boundaries. We can each personally contact this expansive dimension of life, which evokes in us a greater sense of what our purpose here might be, and inspires us to reach for our highest potential as conscious beings. The paradox is frustrating and perplexing, and is simply this. Since time immemorial, humans have been vitally interested in the questions about the self and its place in the universe, who we are, what we represent, and our purpose. And yet most people will avoid the reality of phenomena for fear it may open up Pandora's box. Invariably, the issue gets obliterated from awareness due to the everyday focus of objective action and reaction on the surface of existence. We become so passionately focused in the world of appearances and circumstances that we simply forget to step back and take the time to contemplate the possible causation for those very appearances and circumstances. Targ says, as a scientist, I aim to demonstrate that we significantly misunderstand our interconnectedness and our place in the space-time matrix in which we appear to be embedded. Suffice it to say, reality is much bigger than we can currently comprehend. We are simply focused on only a tiny fraction of it. The misunderstanding of the scope, or lack thereof, of reality, and moreover our connection to it, may be costing us greatly. After speaking with a significant amount of individuals on a variety of personal experience, which would be categorized as paranormal, and their general feeling about the validity of the experience, my surmise is that many, if not most people, suspect that there is more to reality than what we have been taught in formal settings. Even those who are considered the most ardent of skeptics, if prodded enough, would probably admit to having an experience or two that does not fit within the normal and familiar constructs of reality as we know it. Their mission is to come up with an explanation that would wipe the experience off the board of possibility. Unless the experience can be presented with some justification like, oh, I was just overly tired or it was just a coincidence, it cannot and should not be looked at again. This is just an example, of course, as to how the human mind is so conditioned to ignore phenomena that has not as yet been objectively or scientifically supported. I find it rather ironic that Sir Isaac Newton, who some consider to be the father of classical physics, was himself a mystic. Newton was born in the mid-1600s, a time when astrology and astronomy went hand in hand and alchemical practices were more readily known. 
Still, Newton's on-the-record discoveries forged a path toward a more materialistic view of reality, consigning the mystical to fantasy and self-deception. Newton was an alchemist himself, and it is said that his knowledge of the paranormal greatly influenced his discoveries. Here we are now, in the 21st century, living according to an agreed-upon belief system, most of which obey the laws of physics quite nicely. Regardless of the possible cultural, religious, and academic delineation, it is only when you abstract the individual out of the conventional consensus environment that they will give in and share experiences which don't necessarily follow the everyday construct that has been put before them by society. Interestingly, it is among these same individuals who have experienced phenomena on a broad and diverse scale, and often on a regular basis, who are part and parcel of the consensus building to begin with. And yet, they will unequivocally and passionately convey the realness of their own experience, but deem the experience as irrelevant to everyday reality, thereby making it unimportant. Although these incidents, whereby anecdotal in nature, may tell them otherwise, the tendency is to cling to the familiar picture they know and are comfortable with. Perhaps it is out of a fear of societal ridicule that people tend to hang on to the fundamental core reasoning of reality rather than letting experience be their guide. On the other hand, ridicule may only be a partial explanation for this vehement denial, for it would be wise to contemplate the words of one of the world's most eminent thinkers, Albert Einstein, the only source of knowledge is experience. In their 1995 book, Hello from Heaven by Bill and Judy Guggenheim, they document hundreds of personal experiences of those who have had what they refer to as an after-death communication or ADC, a direct communication from an individual who has passed away. Among the various ways that ADCs can happen, telephone ADCs, hearing the voice of the deceased over the phone, is somewhat uncommon, but they do occur. Similar to the case of Lisa, who heard her deceased father during a phone call with her sister, telephone ADCs are one of the more perplexing of after-death phenomena. Although rare, this form of ADC is only one of a number of other means the departed use to contact us. Two more accounts, well worth sharing before we close this chapter, involve the touching stories of Sissy Houston, mother of the late pop star Whitney Houston, and jazz legend Nancy Wilson, my own mom, who I affectionately call Mom Susie. It was on Saturday, February 11th, 2012, when the world received shocking news of the sudden death of Whitney Houston after apparently drowning in the bathtub of her hotel suite in Beverly Hills, California. Earlier in the afternoon, Whitney's mom, Sissy, was in her apartment 3,000 miles away on the East Coast, when all of a sudden she heard her doorbell ring. She hadn't been expecting anyone. Curious, she walked to the door and opened it, but no one was there. Moments later, the bell rang again. No one there. Now, clearly irritated, she then called the building's front desk to ask whether anyone had come to see her. No, Mrs. Houston, the concierge replied. It was not long after the mysterious doorbell episode that Sissy received the news of Whitney's death. The previous Christmas, Whitney, who close friends and family members called Nippy, had spent some time with Sissy. 
And just prior to her leaving to go back to her home in Atlanta, she promised emphatically that she would come back to see her mother after the Grammy Awards in Los Angeles in February. Of course, that was not to happen. Or did Whitney actually keep her promise after all, despite her untimely passing? After the inconceivable reality of her daughter's death sunk in, Sissy says that she took comfort in one thing. On that terrible day, when my doorbell kept ringing in those hours before I got the call, I believe it was my beautiful Nippy keeping her promise to me that somehow, some way, she came to see me just as she said she would. ADCs can come in a number of ways. And at the most unexpected times, although many report that the after-death communication often happens during a time when comfort and reassurance are needed. My cousin, whom I call Mom Susie, is known to the rest of the world for her incredible ability to seamlessly weave detailed narration into her chart-topping hits. Called by many the song stylist, Nancy Wilson is just a born storyteller through her music, But she has a natural ability to recall stories about all sorts of things, remembering details about our family, holiday gatherings from years past, even exact quotes of what Aunt Jenny said about this or that. But it was this story that she told me shortly after her husband of over 30 years, Wiley Burton, passed away after a lengthy illness. I was in the house alone, and it was one of those rare occasions when we were getting snow up here. Her home sits roughly 3,500 feet above the desert area of Palm Springs, California. I was in my bedroom and a little concerned about the snow and the fact that it might be difficult to navigate the cars without the drive being plowed. All of a sudden, I heard Wiley's voice. Nancy, are you all right? I got up out of bed and walked toward the room where he'd spent his last days bedridden. I knew damn well that he was gone. Why would I walk to that room? But his voice was clear. It was unmistakable. I still can't explain it. When she first told me this story, I smiled and nodded my head, remembering how Wiley always found it so exciting that snow would occasionally fall on his beloved Pipes Canyon Ranch. He'd always get all worked up like it was such a big deal. After-death communication happens to people from all walks of life, and have been occurring probably since the beginning of time. Some have absolutely no doubt of the authenticity of the experience, while others question its validity altogether. When Lisa conveyed the story to me about her deceased father coming through on the phone, although momentarily suspended with passion about the actuality of the experience, she then shrugged her shoulders and said, oh well, I don't really believe in these sorts of things. Clearly, her denial spoke volumes to what she had accepted as reality. Her long-held beliefs would always take precedence over her personal experience, no matter what. When experience becomes our sole compass for reality, its true nature will reveal itself to us in ways that are limitless. And in the process, we will recognize that we too are limitless in our abilities. Our beliefs will then take a back seat to that which is undeniable in the spectrum of an infinite reality. The time has come for us to know the whole story.